Greetings and salutations and welcome to Full Time, brought to you by The Game on News Talk 1400, along with the Game Entertainment and Media, and sponsored by Northern Superior Brewery in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. I'm your host, Scott Nason, as we are joined, as always, by co-host Daniel Scarpino on this September 13th edition of Full Time, as we cover the beautiful world of soccer. Daniel, it's been a couple weeks. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Scott. So happy to be back with you again as we continue to pick up our content here uh, on full time. But I'm doing really, really well. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Daniel. And let's get right to it. And as always, or as usually, we start with the European Big Five Leagues. And let's start with the Premier League. Now, this past weekend, there were no Premier League matches played due to the death of Queen Elizabeth II. The Premier League will be getting back underway this upcoming weekend. However, there's still two games that have been postponed due to a strain on police resources. Manchester United's home game against Leeds. Leeds and Chelsea's meeting against Liverpool at Stamford Bridge will no longer go ahead on Sunday. Looking at the standings, top the Premier League. I know you're happy about this one. Daniel Arsenal, top of the table with 15 points. Man City and Tottenham, just one point back with both clubs yet to lose. Brighton, they lost their manager, but they continue their impressive play in fourth place with 13 points. And here comes Manchester United. What an interesting season it's been for them. They lost their first two matches in the Premier League, but they have won four in a row and have 12 points in fifth place with Chelsea struggling, to say the least, with 10 points. Liverpool and Brentford one point back. Right now, West Ham, Nottingham Forest, and Leicester City in the relegation zone. Leicester with just one point in six matches. Uh, Daniel, it's been a couple weeks since we've seen Premier League action. Your thought, uh, your thoughts rather on what's transpired here over the past few weeks. Well, it's been such a topsy-turvy season so far, Scott, and it's it's hard to really make much of what's been happening. Liverpool have been far from their best. Chelsea have been far from their best. Manchester United had a disastrous start, and they've since picked things up. Brighton in the fourth position, but they've just lost their manager, who's now gone to Chelsea, and then Tottenham and Manchester City, the only teams without defeats, and then, of course, Arsenal on top, which not too many people expected, so... In terms of what we've seen so far this season, the football has been really good, and I've enjoyed it, but you could really expect the unexpected, and we know that that's the case in the Premier League, but maybe this season so far, I know we're only six games in, but more than ever before, so it's been good, especially from an Arsenal perspective. It's nice to see us at the top of the table. How long that will last, it's tough to say, but very topsy-turvy at the minute. Scott, how are you feeling about the Premier League? I'm kind of feeling the same way, Daniel. You know, it's it's a different season with the World Cup coming here in a couple months and uh, the schedule very compact. And when you throw the death of the monarch in there and having to postpone those matches, it makes an already very tough window even tougher. But one of the things I've noticed is, you know, spending money in the transfer market early on hasn't paid dividends for a lot of these squads. Uh, we'll talk more about Chelsea and the their manager, Thomas Tuchel, getting sacked here in our next segment. They spent over $310 million in transfer fees, and uh, they seem to be thinner at the front and at the back. Uh, Manchester United, you know, they spent over $250 million. They get blown out by Brentford. They lose at home in the Europa League last week. Uh, West Ham spent over $200 million after a very successful season last year. They're in the relegation zone. Aston Villa, kind of the same thing. Uh, they're in the same place. Nottingham Forest trying to avoid uh, what's happened lately, Daniels. 
the teams getting promoted from the championship division uh, seem to get demoted or relegated, I should say, in there. They spent over $178 million. You got the Wolves spending $150 million, and uh, they can't seem to figure out how to score a goal. So, you know, soccer is a big money game, but a lot of these clubs early on, Daniel, that spent a lot of money in these transfer fees, and Liverpool, you know, they're not exactly tearing things up as well. It's uh, it's interesting that uh, sometimes the, the more money you spend doesn't necessarily make you a better club on the, on the pitch. Well, and that's exactly it, and that's why a lot of people will argue that money doesn't buy you titles or spending money doesn't doesn't get you titles. So it's interesting to see, and the only thing that you could say, I suppose, in defense to these teams who have uh, spent so much money is, while it's still so early on in the season, those signings will come good. The money that they spent will come good. They'll climb their way up the table. So we've seen it in the past where some teams have had slow starts. Again, I, I keep looking at Liverpool because they've had a really, really, really interesting and, and rather poor start. And Jurgen Klopp's been very open about that. But amongst many other teams, too, you mentioned Wolves, you mentioned West Ham, Leicester City's at the bottom. So, yeah, I think these these teams who have spent money, with the exception, obviously, of Leicester, Leicester City because they haven't spent any, um, but these teams who have spent money, I think that they will come good. It's just a matter of time, Scott. Moving on to Serie A in Italy, Daniel, Napoli, Atalanta, and AC Milan, all with 14 points and identical 4-2-0 records. Udinese and Roma, one point back with 12. Inter Milan also has 12 points. Uh, Juventus uh, struggling a bit out of the gate, just two wins in six matches. They have 10 points and in eighth position. Very early, Daniel, but any big surprises uh, as far as uh, Serie A for you? Uh, early door, Scott, for sure, but Udinese, I'd say, would be the biggest surprise of all. Uh, typically, a club who's actually been affiliated with a lot of uh, English teams in terms of loaning out players and what have you. So, yeah, they're just a little bit of surprise for them to be in the top four at the minute. Obviously, I didn't expect that. But, uh, again, so early still, I think the likes of Juventus, Lazio, Inter, Roma, I think that they'll climb up. But that top three that we see there, Napoli, Atalanta, and Milan, I think that those three teams are going to be in the mix come the end of the season. They've been good. Since last year, yes, Napoli got rid of some players, but they did bring some in. Atalanta, young attacking squad. Milan, defending champions. So, yeah, City are shaking up pretty good, but still early doors. So I think that there's some, some room to grow for some of the sides, particularly the likes of Juventus, Lazio, and Inter. Yeah, I think all those teams will be in the, the mix uh, towards the top of uh, Serie A for sure. Moving on to La Liga in Spain. Real Madrid, a perfect 5-0 and in top of La Liga. Barcelona is in second, just two points back with Real Betis and Osasuna tied for third with 12 points. Villarreal, Athletic, and Atletico Madrid with 10 points each. Uh, no surprise there, uh, Daniel. Uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona seems like it could very well be a two uh, horse race, but you can't count out the likes of uh, Atletico and Villarreal as, as well. well I, I agree with you for sure, Scott. But in the end, if I had to take a, a guess or if I had to put my money on it, I probably would say that it would end up being a two horse race. I think Real Madrid, obviously, defending Champions League uh, uh, winners amongst Barcelona, who's improved hugely under Xavi uh, and the football that they're playing. I think that we can expect that those two are going to remain close, if not to the top of the table, and they'll battle it all to see who's going to win La Liga. But time will tell. And do I really see a surprise in La Liga? Probably not. But Real Madrid and Barcelona playing some really good football. They both look like a great outfit so far early on in the season. And that Barcelona win over the weekend over Cadiz, uh, Cadiz keeper Jer- Jeremy's Ledesma uh, sprayed across the pitch during the match as a uh, 
fan was uh, having some uh, cardiac arrest, and uh, he carried a defibrillator kit tossing into the stands. I mentioned that on my show last night. Play was interrupted for over an hour, but most importantly, the fan was okay. And so uh, kudos to uh, Mr. Ledesma for sprinting across the pitch, helping a fan in need. I thought that was pretty neat there, Daniel. Yes, for sure, and that's that's so great to see. Obviously, we're, we're thankful that the person was okay, but, yeah, uh, what a charismatic effort on his part. In the Bundesliga, FC Union Berlin topped the table with 14 points, followed by Freelberg in second place with 13, and Bayern Munich third place with 12 points, tied with Hoffenheim. Uh, Bayern slow out of the gates by their standards. Uh, their last three matches have all ended in draws, and uh, Bayern Leverkusen right now in the relegation zone early, which is a bit of a surprise. They did better in the Champions League today, which we'll get to in a little bit, but uh, should the Bayern Munich fans be panicking right now, Daniel, with their slow start, or will they uh, get it together? Well, I think that they're going to get it together, and I don't think that this early on it's a reason to panic. The first two games, I must admit, of the, the Bundesliga, the way I saw Bayern Munich play particularly with Sadio Mane, I thought to myself, well, they're not going to lose a game this season, and they're probably going to score 150 goals. They were looking that good. So I, I don't think that it's you know reason to be concerned quite yet. The three draws in a row, it is a little bit strange by Bayern's standards, but I think that they're going to be fine. Um, I think that when, when it comes to RB Leipzig right now, they're in 10th place. I actually expected them to do a lot better than they are this season. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Again, it's early, but time will tell. But the biggest surprise, as you mentioned, is uh, Leverkusen. I really don't know what's going on there, and you'd like to see them get out of that slump, but something's not right there. Could uh, potentially be a destination for a uh, former Chelsea manager, which we'll talk about in a minute, <laughs> Daniel. Uh, France, no surprises at the top. PSG 6-1-0, and tied with Marseille with 19 points. RC Lenz in third with 17, while FC Laurent in fourth with 16 points. Uh, Marseille not doing well in the Champions League. PSG is... Uh, again, is this the one league, Daniel, where you just feel that it's not going to be very competitive at the top? Well, and that's just it. I mean, you could expect PSG to remain at the top. The one thing I suppose we could say right now about the French League that's quite good is from what I've been reading and what I've been watching and what I've been seeing is that there's a lot of coach education going on right now in France. So I would say that that's a positive. But in terms of Liga, I mean, we know the foregone conclusion is what it is. But at least seven games in that, uh, you know, Marseille is at least challenging PSG. So that is good to see. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino for this September 13th edition of Full Time. And Daniel, it is early in the season, and you see this a lot during uh, any season in soccer, as European soccer is one of the most high-pressure sporting arenas. And that means that football managers are sacked on a regular basis as clubs fear the worst and make changes in order to try to ensure success. We've already seen a couple managers out in the Premier League. Scott Parker at Bournemouth, he didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 9-0 a defeat at Anfield kind of sealed his fate uh, for Bournemouth, and then uh, really the big one, uh, Thomas Tuchel for Chelsea. He was sacked on September 7th, uh, just over a year after winning the Champions League. Chelsea uh, has struggled. They spent a ton of money out of the transfer market. Uh, new owners, the uh, Bolin Group, uh, here stateside with the L.A. Dodgers, and uh, they didn't seem to see eye-to-eye with Mr. Tuchel. He is sacked. Uh, just uh, your thoughts on these managers being sacked and just the pressure of being a, a, a manager for one of these clubs. I mean, boy, you just do not have much room for air. Well, I'll address the first thing that you had mentioned, Scott, in terms of your question. So 
what I think about these managers being sacked. I, I've been pretty adamant on this, and maybe I have a little bit of a bias or a little bit of empathy because I'm a coach myself. But the fact that managers don't get time to work and don't get time to operate the way that they should, I really do think is a detriment to people getting involved in coaching, whether it's at the amateur level, semi-professional level, or professional level. Yes, it's the nature of the business. Yes, you must win. But sometimes people need a little bit more time to get to their destination. So I think it's it's very unfortunate, obviously. But I think what, what really can be turned to is the fact that coaches these days or managers really can't go against the grain, Scott. If you go into an interview or a post-match press conference, you better say the right things because if you don't, owners and directors and, and everybody at the club is looking at you. And if you say the wrong thing, it's a bad reflection on the club. So Scott Parker kind of made some comments uh, in relation to Bournemouth that they weren't spending enough money and that they weren't ready for the Premier League. Now, I'm sure that their 9 nothing defeat to Liverpool didn't help their case, but he was out the door shortly thereafter. Thomas Tuchel made some comments about Chelsea, and he was very aggressive in terms of the, the comments he made about his players, and he was soon thereafter out the door. So I don't think that coaches get enough time. I think that saying the wrong things obviously doesn't help. But then to the last part of your question, the pressure that they must feel. Scott, I'd imagine that the pressure each and every day, each and every waking moment has got to be absolutely paramount in terms of the way that they they go about their business they must be in the office 12 to 14 hours a day but possibly just worrying all of the time how close am I to losing my job so I'd imagine that the pressure is very high and I'd imagine that they're on pins and needles at the workplace but this is the nature of the sport it's the nature of the job and it's the nature of football Scott it really is and uh, getting to Tuchel you know a club that I follow closely Chelsea uh, you know after the uh, ownership uh, was uh, bought by the uh, Bowley group, uh, the L.A. Dodgers, and, and you know the American group after Roban Abramovich uh, had to give up uh, due to uh, Russia and uh, that ongoing situation. Uh, you could kind of tell there was a little bit of a difference of opinion on how the new ownership wanted to guide the club. And uh, Tuchel, you could see it during many matches this year. It just seemed like he was almost becoming unhinged at times. Yeah. Uh, we saw that against Tottenham and the, the famous hand shake there with Conte and it just it seemed like he lost the locker room and if you don't have the locker room support and you don't have the ownership uh, group support uh, your fate is sealed Uh, you know I was pretty upset when Frank Lampard got sacked uh, from Chelsea I wouldn't say I'm I mean I'm not happy that Tuchel did I I do like Graham Potter from Brighton I think uh, he might be what is needed in that locker room right now we'll certainly uh, have to wait a little bit while Chelsea will play in the Champions League tomorrow but that that loss at Zagreb really, even though the ownership group said that wasn't the final decision, that was pretty much the nail that was the final nail in the coffin, if you will, for Mr. Tuchel. So I'm sure he will come up somewhere and uh, he'll uh, probably do well because he has a history of doing very well as a manager. Daniel, let's move on to the Champions League. Uh, the first set of matches have been played. Uh, you know, some uh, the results in the first set of matches, Ajax, uh, along with Sporting. Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Club Brugge, who also won today, Bayern Munich. Uh, they've won two games so far. Liverpool, they get stumped by Napoli. Uh, Liverpool did win today 2-1. to one. Uh, These matches just finishing. Tottenham won their first match. They did lose today at Porto. And then uh, the second group of matches from last week, Borussia Dortmund winning. 
uh, along with Zagreb over Chelsea, Benfica, Real Madrid, all over Celtic, PSG over Juventus, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk out of Ukraine. That's probably my favorite team other than Chelsea. They uh, absolutely run over Leipzig 4-1, to Salzburg and AC Milan at tie at 1, and Man City over Sevilla 4 nothing. Uh, Club Brugge also winning today, so they're on top of the group. Uh, Bayern Munich over Barcelona 2-0, Bayern Leverkusen over uh, Atletico Madrid 2 to nothing. Frankfurt gets their first win in Champions League as they win at Marseille. Uh, Liverpool, uh, they defeat Ajax on a late goal 2-0. And uh, those are the latest results. It's early, Daniel, but uh, any thoughts on the Champions League? Uh, it's been it's been good so far, even though it is early doors. Most teams have played two games. Some teams have played one. Obviously, the Liverpool hammering with Napoli, that was a, a huge result. Uh, Bayern is, is looking good in the Champions League at the minute. I uh, really like that Group H. That's a really competitive group with Benfica, PSG, and Juventus. Uh, Man City, they looked uh, pretty solid in their opening game with uh, their 4-0 victory. And, and there's been some other results, too, that have been good and, and some other games that have been good. And I think that with the Champions League, we again, like we talked about earlier with the Premier League, we can often expect the unexpected. With the Champions League, uh, maybe not as much, but I'm sure that there's going to be a surprise or two along the way. So, yeah, I've been quite happy with the Champions League so far, Scott, and I'm looking forward to uh, to what's ahead as well. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot more matches in a short period of time. A lot of times you had to wait a couple weeks between matches. Now it seems like they're playing every week, and uh, this is going to cause soccer uh, some issues. Especially when you have, uh, you know, conditions of the Queen passing away and, uh, you know, wiping out a whole weekend of uh, games. There's just not much room on the calendar. These players are going to have to be even more fit. And I think the deeper teams, uh, Daniel, that have those players they can bring off the bench uh, will be in much better position in a season like this. Oh, you're totally right, Scott. And I think you you hit the nail on the head that with uh, the compact schedule and all of these things that these players and these managers are going to have to go through in in the lead up to the World Cup and with all these uh, other pauses that have been uh, prevalent in all of these leagues, particularly the Premier League. Yeah, people are going to people are going to have to be ready to go. Managers, players, everybody. So it's going to make for some interesting uh, some interesting future games amongst the the table in in terms of how we look at the Champions League and all the, the Europe Big Five. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you for the September 13th edition of Full Time. And, Daniel, let's move on to Major League Soccer as the playoff race is heating up. Uh, Looking at the standings right now in the East, Philadelphia with a 10-point lead over Montreal. Philadelphia with 63 points, Montreal with 53, the New York Red Bulls in third with 50, New York City FC in fourth with 46. Then you have Orlando City and FC Cincinnati at tie for fifth with 42 points, Columbus with 41, and then a good race for the playoffs. Uh, New England would be the last team in with 38 points, Inter-Miami and Atlanta United just two points back of New England in the West. LAFC continues to lead. They're in first place with 60 points, Austin in second, 51, FC Dallas in third with 49, Nashville fourth, 46, Portland in fifth with 45, then you have Minnesota, Real Salt Lake, and the LA Galaxy holding on to the last playoff spot. Uh, Daniel, the race is on for the playoffs. Uh, What have you seen from the MLS over the past few weeks? The race is certainly on without doubt, but what I have seen is that the top teams are the top teams, so we take a look at Philadelphia and we take a look at LAFC. Uh, for me, those are going to be the, the class of the bunch in terms of the East and the Western Conference. But at least the race is good and well on. There's going to be some, some good games to close things out here. Some teams have games in hand. 
so I think that just makes it all the more interesting. But time will tell here as we come to the closing stages of the MLS. There, there really isn't a whole heck of a lot left to go. So, um, yeah, the playoff race is true and well on. But like I said, Philadelphia and LAFC, they seem to be the class of the bunch and uh, really many, many steps ahead. Daniel, let's end this edition of Full Time with a local soccer update. Here stateside, the Suhai Boys soccer team continues to play their season. They were in a tournament this past weekend down in Petoskey, and they will have games over the next few weeks at home and on the road. And I know you're a busy man with a local soccer on the Sioux Ontario side. Give us an update, sir. Uh, well, everything here in terms of uh, youth soccer is completely and totally wrapped up. Indoor soccer will start in about a month's time. Uh, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it in a month's time. Right now, it's all about the university and college ranks. Uh, so both teams for Algoma University and Sioux College are in the thick of their season. So if anybody is looking to get out to games and looking to support the team, please visit for uh, the schedule that is for Algoma University Soccer, uh, algomathunderbirds.ca, and for Sioux College, visit www.suecollege.ca and go to the Athletics tab, whereby you can access all of the schedules for, uh, for both varsity programs. Daniel, as always, a pleasure to be joined by you on full-time. A little briefer edition as we had to kind of wrap things up early due to some other scheduling commitments, but we'll do another show here in a couple weeks, either the last week of September or the first week of October. And uh, then once we get into November, my friend, uh, we'll have to uh, set a, a time and day aside because I want to try to do one every week, even if it's only 15 or 20 minutes because the World Cup will be played in Qatar and uh, Certainly, while all this soccer is very intriguing, interesting, I'll tell you what, a World Cup in November and December, uh, that that is, makes me salivate right now, especially the fact that the U.S. and Canada are both in the World Cup. It's been a, a long time. Well, I don't know if that's ever happened. I believe it hasn't because Canada was last in in 86 and the U.S. was not in there. So this is the first time for this, at least in recent memory, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, with Odone, it's going to be history in the making. So come November, yeah, there's no question about it. Everyone's going to be on the edge of their seat, mainly you and me. But I'm definitely looking forward to talking all the footy come November because, yes, soccer year-round is fantastic, but you can't beat a World Cup. So very much looking forward to that, Scott. Daniel, you have a great couple weeks, and uh, we will talk to you on our next edition of Full Time, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, and thanks to everyone who listened. Always a pleasure, and I uh, hope you have a great night, Scott, and we'll talk in a couple weeks. Thank you, sir. I want to thank Daniel Scarpino along with Northern Superior Brewery sponsoring full time and brought to you by the game entertainment and made media. That's going to do it for this September 13th edition of full time. Thanks for listening and everyone have a great night.